Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, passing shotters, and welcome to the latest episode of your Tennis Catch-Up podcast. I'm Joel. And I'm Kim. And this week, we'll be rounding up the latest results from the last two weeks in Asia, from Tashkent to Tokyo. We'll be getting stuck into the double versus single backhand debate on social media. And we'll be finding out whatever did happen in the Indian Premier Tennis League. Elsewhere, we'll bring you the latest on team tennis from the Hotman Cup and the Fed Cup. And finally, we'll be digging into the ITF Futures Circuit once again for scoreboard stories. So let's crack on with raw results roundup from the last two weeks. So we've uh, had quite a lot going on in uh, the other side of the world, haven't we, Joel? Yeah, we've had, uh, I mean, it's all, in, it's all in Asia at the moment, isn't it? It's all kind of ramping up to kind of like, for the men anyway, for the, the big finale in, in Shanghai. Um, and over the last two weeks on the men's side, we've had um, 250 events in Chengdu and Shenzhen. And we've also had uh, Japan and Beijing this week. Yeah, so Chengdu, let's let's begin there. Um, bit of a surprising result. So we had Bernard Tomic mm. taking his first ATP level trophy in more than three years. Um, he was a qualifier and then he, uh, he had a really good week. He's only, what, 123 in the world at the moment. Mm. Um, he came down in the deciding set tie break in his quali- one of his qualifying rounds. And then he, oh gosh, and then... He was down again in the first round against Plan, yeah. uh, and then he saved a match point in the second round. Yeah. <laughs> and he won in a last set tiebreak against uh, Fognini, um, which is just, yeah, really, you know, hard-fought win and good on him. You know, it's been a long time since he's had success at this level. Finally living... <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah, ATP 250 Chengdu was, you know, top of everyone's list. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> And then, yeah, going on to Shenzhen, we had another qualifier, um, Yoshihito Nishioka. um, So he beat Pierre Hughes Herbert um, at the Shenzhen Open. And he, he, again, he he had saved two match points against Shapovalov in the second round. So a lot of really hard-fought victories going on. Um, And he has become the sixth qualifier to win a tour-level title this season. So... I always like it when you get, you know, massive underdogs coming through, building, you know, backing up their victories and, um, you know, good on them. I mean, just a note about Pierre Hughes Herbert. Um, he's he's had a pretty good, pretty good year himself. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, considering he is predominantly what we would kind of refer to as a doubles player. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he, he performed really well. I mean, he's, um, I think, previous championship match was at the the Winston-Salem Open in 2015 um so he's done 
you know really well to kind of get to the get to the final and there was some you know, tournament there was some you know there were some big names in there you obviously had um david goffan um and we'll we'll get to it in britson tour but we also had uh, andy murray as well yeah so it was very interesting to see you know qualifiers come through all the way and, and also almost making the most of their making most of their opportunities uh there yeah exactly no it's um it's really good i think maybe it's kind of a post us open thing i don't know but yeah. at the end of the year all their kind of success at maybe a challenger level you know it's well, really coming to fruition for a lot of guys yeah i mean well with with david goffin was coming i mean he took like a not must must not have been a pleasant journey he was coming from labor cup in chicago um to shenzhen and um, after the event, um, he actually posted on social media that he's been suffering. I think it was suffering with some elbow injuries. Um, so it, I think he's actually called time on his on his season now. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, it was kind of yeah for some players we get into a point where you know fatigue is almost settling in and they've got a few niggling injuries that perhaps weren't there you know earlier in the season and it's opening up these cracks for. You, other players opening to kind up of, the jaws a bit more for exactly. the qualifiers and such like because um going on to the women's side um we had tash kent uh the week before last so again this was quite um a random um <laughs> final i don't think anyone would have particularly predicted it so we had margarita gasparian versus yep. um anastasia potapova an all-russian final um do you know what ranking Gasparian was when she won that job? <laughs> yeah, she was, I mean, she was 299th in the world, which made her the second lowest ranked WTA champion um, after some lady's name, I can't even pronounce, Angelique Widyaya, who won Bali in 2001. I didn't even know that the WTA went to Bali, they did. Um, I mean that that must have been. I mean, if she was ranked number five hundred and seventy nine in the world, that is. Uh, I, I wonder what the cutoff. I wonder what the yeah. cutoff point in terms of rankings for that draw was. But um, yeah, I mean, it was um, kind of yeah. In terms of in terms of rankings on paper, yeah, you would not have put these two players um, in the final. You know, at the, at the start of the tournament. I always thought it was interesting that was the first all Russian final on the WTA tour since. Um, Indian Wells yeah. last year, which considering the number of Russian female players who are, you know, um, on the circuit, I thought that was quite surprising. Um, yeah. I think in previous years there has been more right at the top of the game than there are now. But um, yeah, just an interesting uh, stat. Yeah, I always thought as well, you know, if we were, the, the likelihood of getting an all Russian final felt like it would have been, you know, more likely to happen maybe in Russia, in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Or Saint Petersburg, but not in uh, you know on the other side of the world in um, Tashkent. But uh, well, it's but there you go. So it's kind of next door. But <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, yeah, that's right. what Tashkent is. I think you need to look at a map, Joel. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I didn't do geography at uh, 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 my degree again. So um, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Wuhan. Going on to Wuhan. Back to China. Um, <laughs> we had Sabalenka continuing her. Mm form so she won Wuhan beating Contivate in the final um she's going up to number 16 in the world well she has gone up to number 16 and she didn't even drop a set um she's now won two tournaments in a row without dropping a set which has been pretty amazing Mm. um 
Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, that was Wuhan. That's uh, that's part of their kind of their premier events, and so kind of obviously attracts you know high and you know, high quality fields. So kind of obviously, well done to um, uh, well done to Sabalenka on that. I think that was her. Um, no, that was her second title in as, as many months, and obviously, she is one of the very informed players after you know post US Open, and I think it kind of shows that. You know, going back to that US Open, it just shows how big that match was between Sabalenka and Osaka. It might not have been in, you know, in the final, but, you know, that was almost like the, you know, that was that almost de facto, you know, the winner of this is going to get, you know, get to the final, have a really good chance of winning the Grand Slam. But because those two players really at the moment have been the ones that are almost kind of most eyes have been on um in, in the WTA. Yeah, I mean, it could quite well have been Savalenka who won the US Open, you know, if she had beaten Osaka, mm. you just don't know, do you? It's maybe a, one of life's ifs. Um, but yeah, good good for Savalenka. I mean, it would be interesting to see if she can maintain this form and, you know, see what she does next year in the yeah. slams. Yeah, and and also, you know, obviously she's going to be, she's rising up the rankings now and, you know, she's going to be playing now with, you know, put, you know, next season, and you know, she's going to be playing with points to defend. You know, she's going to be playing as a seeded player. She's not going to be playing as this kind of, you know, lurker who is, you know, a dangerous, you know, almost like a dangerous wild card that no one wants to face. She's going to be kind of, you know, she's going to be playing as a seeded player, and um, you know, it's, it's going to be a different. I think it's going to be a different uh, proposition. Yeah, the pressure will be on because she'll be uh, the hunted, not the hunter, <laughs> but. Um... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, well, this week just just gone, we've had uh, the Beijing tournament. So that is a WTA premier, but uh, mm. five hundred yep. joint tournament. Um, so for the women's, Caroline Wozniacki has um, won a title, first time in a while, because um, since she won AO, she has not really done um, an awful lot. Yep. So third title of the season, um, and actually she didn't drop a set. So she beat um, Sevastova in the final. Um, and interestingly, um, Wozniacki beat Krang Wang, or I'm not saying that correctly, I'm not sure, but in the semis, mm. who won, um, she had previously just won a tournament, hasn't she? And then... Yeah, she was in really good, she was really in really good form. Yeah, really good form. And then Sevastova beat Osaka in the semis. So again, Osaka mm. still carrying on, you know, a high level since her victory in... Um, yeah. Yeah, there was an interesting, um, yeah, interesting stat that came out on on social media about Osaka um, in terms of her winning percentages in relation to the first set. And um, in 2018, Osaka is 41 and 0 when winning the first set, but she's two and 16 when losing the first set. So obviously, to me, it kind of shows that you know the biggest opportunity in in defeating Osaka. I mean. Is is you know is being on the front foot and you know winning that you know, obviously winning that first set. It sounds like it becomes a lot harder, you know, for the opponent if you know if if they you know if they fall behind. Yeah, absolutely. She might need to work on her uh, her comebacks during the matches then with with those stats. But um, yeah, if you can get the first first uh, first kick it in against Osaka, then yeah, that does bode well. Mm. Um, so yeah, Beijing Beijing for the men a bit of a bit of a surprise one here um not sure how many people would have predicted this but nicolas nicolas basilashvili basilashvili yeah georgia <laughs> georgia's <laughs> biggest tournament been... surely um, maybe I think, yeah i think so there was another villi wasn't there um what was his name 
can you think of his name? There was another Georgian oh. player, or he might have been representing Russia, but he he had a similar name. Yeah. Um, it, it escapes my mind. But anyway, uh, Batilashvili um, beat Del Potro in the final mm. um, to get his second title of the season, um, which is pretty um, pretty good for him. I mean, he'd beaten Jack Sock earlier in the tournament. He beat Carl um, Edmund. So he beat some bloody good players. Um, he'd also won Hamburg earlier in the year. Um, and he just, yeah, he stunned Del Potro in straight sets to win that one. Yeah, I was very, yeah, I was looking on, uh, I was just checking the live scores and I saw he was up, um, you know, he was, up, I think he was down a break actually in that second set, but came um, storming back and won the last three games to to win it in straights. And uh, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, almost, yeah, I was very surprised at that result. I thought Del Potro, I thought Del Potro would have, um, you know, been able to kind of, um, yeah, win, win, win that. Um but um, again, um, well done to to Bastashvili. Um, I think you you mentioned Jack Sock earlier. Um, we kind of I think Jack Sock is one of those players coming into a very critical time for him, given given his form this season. He's coming into time when he's going to be defending uh, the the most points um, from last year. He um, he won uh, Shanghai. And then I think got to the semi-finals of World Tour Finals. Now he is around. Uh, I think he's around like a hundred and seventy odd in the race at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know his loss record this season um, is not great. He's although he's kind of you know you see he's number seventeen in the world at the moment. His record this year is six wins, eighteen losses. Um, and then if you just look at kind of those wins that he's had. They're not, um, you know, no dis like, you know, they're not of the caliber of the sort of players he was winning last season. You know, he's beaten, he's been and Andre Andreozzi, uh, Zabalos, uh, Bambri, Fabiano, Smith, and David Ferrer. And you know, obviously, Bar Ferrer. You know, those players aren't kind of, I wouldn't say household they're names. they're not they're not household names. They're not world beaters. Um, and yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how Jack Sop copes with, well, with Shanghai. Because, you know, th- that's that's going to be, you know, if he can't do any any damage there, that's going to have a massive, massive impact on his uh, on his ranking. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done amazingly well in doubles, but I think as a result, his singles uh, has taken a bit of a hit. Um, but then you know it's it's it, we'll have to <laughs> have to refocus himself. But I don't see him doing. I don't see him defending his title. Let's just say that much. Mm. Um, but before we go on, um, let's just go back to the other tournament that's just finished yeah. uh, on Sunday. So that's Tokyo, mm-hmm. another ATP 500. So this one was won by Daniel Medvedev. He beat yeah. Nishikori in the another qualifier, um, I think. Yes, and I think he won his previous title in Sydney also as a qualifier. So an awful lot of yeah qualifiers who are winning um, this season. Um, I think there's, yeah, eight actually uh, with with uh, that victory uh, this year on the ATP circuit. Yeah, yeah, um, Medvedev, I mean, just... yeah. Medvedev for me is an interesting one because, you know, I think he's flying under the radar of, of those, you know, Russians kind of under Zverev in terms of that like next generation and he's just kind of quietly, you know, barring that Wimbledon outburst, he's 
quietly going about his business um, and he's obviously doing it very um, effectively Absolutely. and to kind of see him beat uh, Nishikuri um, and, you know against the backdrop of you know home support where I'm sure that would have added a completely you know new challenge and obviously unfazed by that um, and yeah so kind of very you know very good result third trophy of the season I think he can you know when it comes to the kind of the end he'll kind of look back on the season and, and you know pretty 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 happy with himself yeah I think he didn't even drop serve in the quarter semis or final um so pretty dominant um so when, as she says you know when he's on form he's potentially you know um complete you know one of the strongest uh contenders out there so it would be really nice to see him go deep in a slam um mm-hmm. but Nishikori has had a really good um a good uh run of form isn't he because he was semi-finals at the US Open um, and now the final here, so he's done. He's done well. Yeah, um, although since he's come back from seems to do really. He seems to. He seems to be to get to to get to finals. But once he gets to finals, he's got a really. He's not got a great record on circuit. And I think I was reading the other day that in his he's lost his last eight finals. Um, so I don't know whether there's something he needs to address there with his coach and kind of look at what's going wrong in the kind of on the on the you know on the biggest stage of a tournament I, you know i don't know what it is but um it's it seems very surprising for someone who you know is is informed and can then you know go and you know lose it and lose consistently in 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 the final match yeah no he definitely needs to <laughs> to work on that uh, a bit gutting for all the japanese fans yeah although they've got a soccer now haven't they so yeah and um, uh, and nishioka nishioka of course and sugita got Nishioka <laughs> yeah but um, yeah but though I think that you know obviously with the up um in Tokyo I think you know I think organizers will be almost kind of really almost really excited now you know Saka's the scene yeah Nishikuri um and you've got other you know other players in the they'll you know they'll be they'll be very happy they'll be very happy with all these kind of names being uh bandied about in terms of you know getting getting to finals Absolutely, and the Olympics will be on us before we know it, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, going away from Japan, let's talk Brits on tour. So, mm. uh, let's before we discuss results, I think we, we've had some exciting news that the Fed Cup is returning to Great Britain for the first time in 25 years. Yeah, it's going to be in Bath uh, next year. Um, ticket details um, haven't come out yet, but yeah, it's certainly very, very exciting for people who, you know, once kind of obviously with Davis Cup, um, you know, Britain being announced as one of the wild cards, it took obviously the possibility of a home tie away. And I think this is almost like a, you know, it's a, I don't know, a good compromise. Um, you know, we haven't had Fed Cup, you know, for so long in Great Britain. Um, it'll be really great for kind of to get behind, you know, the women in terms of a, a team yeah, and the tennis event. the format's so different, isn't it? Because you have all the teams coming over here to compete. So it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a round robin, isn't it? it? Um, so that'd be really exciting. I'm not sure if I'd be able to get down to it, but um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, you know, you get to see so yeah. many, so many players um, down, at, down at the university. So I assume they've got pretty good facilities down there. Um, yeah, I think they've, um, I think the way it's, I mean, it's very, com- I felt like it's very convoluted to Davis Cup, but I think it's something like there's four different groups and two of the groups are playing in um, mm-hmm. in Bath. 
And then the two other groups, I think, are playing in Hungary, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's like a, I think it's like a round-robin format. And then, you know, um, and, and GB uh, in the past have, have tend, to do, tend to do quite well, don't, haven't they? Um, yeah. It's just kind of that. It's just kind of the, the final match that almost eludes them each, each time, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we've got, a, technically on paper, we've got a fairly strong squad compared to some other mm. countries. So hopefully Conte will be in a bit more form, you know, Heather Watson. So we'll just have to see what Yeah. And with home support, um, you'd hope, you'd hope they do, you know, they do, they do, you'd hope they do well. Interesting to see if that will be televised. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think in the past you've seen, I've seen it on like streams on British tennis, but I wonder where there's an interest there. Um, yeah. Or on like a, yeah. Yeah. Um, just on a note, just talking Fed Cup. Um, the Junior Davis Cup was going on last week in in the okay. US. So mm-hmm. uh, that's for sixteen and under players. And uh, the GB we came eighth, um, which is a pretty good effort. Um, the Czechs won it for the first time in twenty years. But that was just just a, a note to the the Junior Davis Cup team. Um, yeah, they came eighth, so pretty good effort mm-hmm. effort down there. Um, but, yeah, but let's focus now on. Results um, in Asia and looking at Brit, looking at Brit players because there was you know there was quite a few notable things going on. Um, it, it feels like ages ago now, but um, obviously we had Andy Murray um, in Shenzhen, and um, he um, everyone got really excited because he I think he beat um, he beat Goffan who was the top seed. Um, and everyone was wondering, oh, could this be, you know, could this be Andy Murray's title? You know, what's going to happen to him for the rest of the season? Uh, but no, bang, he comes up against, um, you know, his uh, his uh, US Open nemesis, uh, Fernando Vadasco, who kind of halted halted that party um, in, in straight sets. Good old Vadasco. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Murray, um, Murray was kind of entered to... Um, was entered into Beijing uh, the week after, but decided to call it quits after Shenzhen. Um, so he's finished his season now, um, and he'll finish the season ranked around um, 250 in the world. Um, if you look back on the grand scheme of things, um, this season, Murray, he played six tournaments. Um, he played Wimbledon, Queens, Eastbourne, Washington, Cincinnati, US Open and Shenzhen. Um, made it, you know, made a you know, made a couple of quarterfinals. Um, you know, we obviously have uh, better things to come next season. I think, you know, for him, he's all, already, he's already looking forward to making much deeper inroads, um, you know, for next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's made the right call, hasn't he? He knows his body. Mm. So and that's 2018 over for Andy. But um, we look forward to him doing better and progressing in 2019. Um, Carl Edmund though has had a pretty good week uh, in um, in Beijing, Beijing yeah. and lost to the eventual champion Vasilashvili, but he has now got to his highest ever ranking, he's 14 in the world. So well done, Kyle. Yeah, that's uh, you know very very him. Um, he, I think you know he, I think he he needed this, um, and I think um, it'll be interesting to see how um, how far he can go in how far he can go in Shanghai but yeah on on social media it looked like he was really enjoying his time in Beijing and obviously that that reflected on 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 the tennis court 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really positive result. Um, we also did have we did have some some success in the doubles. Um, so Shenzhen, Joe Salisbury, who famously reached the Wimbledon double semi-finals this year, yeah, mm-hmm. um, he got his maiden doubles title on the ATP circuit um, with Ben McLachlan. I'm probably saying that Japan, wrong. Uh, Japan's Ben McLachlan. Yeah, who's Japanese, but must have. <laughs> Like yeah, he. I, no, no, not Scottish. Actually, really. It, no, no. I could be, now, actually, Kim, I can tell you this is deaf. World. Um, he uh, had uh, New Zealand heritage, um, but he switched allegiances. I think in 2017 um, to play to play for Japan. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they actually went in uh, as top seeds. I believe, yeah, because he's a pretty nifty doubles player, isn't mm. he? Uh, and so they, they, uh, they got, yeah, Joe got his first title, and then actually last week um, in Tokyo, he got to the semis with um, a Japanese player Uchiyama, and he beat uh, Jamie Murray actually on route to the semis. So he's had a really good few weeks. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, another less... burdening British player for Great Britain. Well, it, it... Yeah, so Davis Cup potentially, you know, another op- increasing options. Um, it sounds like though, Johnny O'Mara. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I was going to say it sounds like he. Needs, I mean, it sounds like he's a good enough doubles player to almost maybe find someone more consistent on the circuit as opposed to going from yeah. one player to the next each one week. Um, so yeah. I wonder. I wonder next season if you know if he's ready to kind of commit to playing more. Um, more of these sorts of tournaments, yeah. Whether he can find a, a doubles partner in the off season that is willing to kind of, you know, or you know, they can come to agreement that they're going to they can have an extended period of time um, with with each other. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think consistency is key, isn't it, mm. um, to get that real partnership going. Um, but another great British partnership, uh, Johnny O'Mara, Luke Bambridge. They won the Orleans ATP Challenger beating the Scupskis in the semis. So um, also just a note about the Scupskis. I think I made uh, a bit of a faux pas in a previous <laughs> I think I said that Ken was the higher ranked Scupski when in actual fact it's Neil. So uh, oh, it's Did you have the fan. Neil Scupski fan appreciation I group on your, on your case? For my error. Um, but yeah, they're both great players. Um, <laughs> and then I think, well, I think we've just got to talk a bit about Joe Conter who's had a pretty awful... Time. Yeah, not Two yeah. First defeats, I believe. Yeah, um, she lost to she lost to Ash she lost to Ashley Barty. Yeah, then, I mean, obviously not an not an easy player to face, but oh no. I, I, yeah, I kind of I'm getting to the point where I wonder, you know, is she going to have to readjust the sorts of tournaments that she plays in? It's just not you mm. you know, whether she's going to have to drop down a level in order to get some wins under her belt um, and play almost trying to play herself into the form because I think you know going from you know, going into these kind of premier events and you know with no form under you then losing in the first round I don't think obviously can't do your confidence a world of good absolutely I mean she had she did play fairly decent but you know higher ranked players than her mm. she's now I think 45 in the world so yeah as you said I think it might be wise to drop down a level get some match wins confidence up again um, but we will see what she plans to do yeah. in the next uh, few months. Yeah, because I think you know she she's obviously got the she's obviously got the talent. It's just um, she just needs to kind of put her head down and kind of yeah maybe focus on playing some tournaments with you know where the field is maybe not so 
you know, higher ranked and yeah, she can get some, you know, match wins and some competitive, competitiveness, you know, under her belt and go deep in, in some tournaments and, you know, almost like refine that feeling and that winning feeling and then bring that back to, you know, bring that back to kind of the, like the premier level um, to help her kind of rediscover that form that, you know, got her to kind of top 10 in the world. Absolutely. No. Uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss? Um, yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's it for for Brits on tour this time. Um, we can carry on though to scoreboard stories, which is where I will bring out my favourite niche stat over the last kind of couple of weeks. Um, and I've got a cup for you, Kim. Actually, um, I know <laughs> I know last time a lot of people were really excited about me uh, bringing the ITF futures. ITF Futures Circuit. Back there, I've gone back to the well of the ITF Futures Circuit. Bring out another stat, and this time it is from a very, a very uh, picturesque tournament in Israel uh, in the Hutzila 15K uh, Futures event. Um, we had a player called Oren Mote Vassal, I think. Motte Vassal, who in the first round. Now, if you look at this match on paper, he he lost to Alexander Gaponenko, 6-1-6-4. He had come through qualifying. But the real story is when you look at the guy's biography, he played the IT as a 51-year-old uh, player. He was born on the 26th of August, 1951. Um, that is <laughs> to be 51 years old and play on an on ITF level event. I think that's and I think that's pretty good going, especially to come through qualifying as well. It wasn't like he was handed like a wild a wild card or anything, but um, yeah, very <laughs> impressive. Perhaps the best over 50 player in in the world at the moment, Kim. I don't know. I but, would um... love to see the over 50 ranking. <laughs> see how many there actually are. That is pretty amazing. Good on Mate... him. Good on Oren. Yeah, he's uh, he is he is Israel, uh, but plays for the USA. Um, but yeah, maybe he's the goat over fifty over <laughs> over fifty players that we we just don't know. The world just doesn't know about it. Maybe. maybe he was just a late bloomer. Maybe there's hope for all of us to uh, to get to an ITF Futures event in yeah. Israel. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but more um, on the ATP circuit as well. My other favourite kind of stat over the last two weeks was from was from Beijing. Um, between uh, one of our one of my favourite players, Kim, you know Malik Yaziri, oh, uh, versus uh, versus Alex Zverev, um, they play for a quarterfinal spot in Beijing, and Yaziri. Um, I'll give you a couple of stats. Um, so total points won. Zverev, one hundred and seven points. Yaziri, points. Break chances. Zverev, chances. Yaz- three break chances. Yaziri served at four first serves. And the final stat is seven, second serve points one. Zverev, 55%. Yaziri, 44%. Who won the match? Oh, well, all the stats say Zverev. <laughs> but I'm assuming it was Malik Yaziri. Um, yes, it was. So, and yeah, Yaziri won that match, despite all those stats, you know, seemingly pointing towards... Uh, you know, a comfortable defeat. Uh, Yaziri won seven six two six six four. So, 
you know, it's just kind of there's more to meet the eye than just the scoreline. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. That, uh, kind of, that kind of proves it. Don't believe the stats that, that come up on on the screen. No, quite right. Um, that's that's that for uh, for scoreboard stories. Um, now moving into uh, gossip alley, um, a lot of a lot on the social media grapevine this week. Um, some good, some bad. The first uh, thing I wanted to discuss was uh, the Indian Premier Tennis League. Now, this as a tournament, well, this this as an exhibition has been dead in the water for a couple of seasons now. It only ran, it actually only ran for two seasons. But um, a a press release came out uh, last week um, by broadcast sports news who are basically responsible for the tv production and they have basically said that the ipt iptl um which is kind of headed by a doubles player uh, mahesh bupati have not paid um have not paid them in um around nine hundred thousand dollars um i mean which does not surprise me this kind of tournament went very silent very quickly um you know, I don't think basically it didn't have the star power, and that kind of showed in the, I think, in the interest, and uh, that's why it didn't go for as as long as it did. But yeah, there's some very interesting news there about um, some un, unfinished business, and Bukti is a as a dub as a doubles player, great, but maybe yeah, he's he's, <laughs> been, he's a marked he's a marked man at the moment, and and broad, yeah. broadcast sports news are are not are not uh, not at all happy uh, with him at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it's not really going to get back on. I mean, we've got the Labour Cup now. You know, there seems to be all these new exactly. proposals for exhibitions and things. I so guess I can't see it kind of getting back. Yeah, I uh, guess so. It, it is, it is though, I think, like, a, it is a word of warning, though. Like, you know, if you, you know, if you don't have the star, you know, if you don't have the star power, you know, it can go you know, it can it can go very south very quickly. And I think, you know, obviously that's what happened to, you know, the you know, the IPTL. And it's like, yeah, it's great once it, you know, once it hits, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. There's all these crazy different rules that you don't normally see on a tennis court. But, you know, that obviously that quickly. Um and yeah, and and people are still people are obviously still paying for it. Mm, um yeah. Yeah, so that was that was kind of the, the first piece of news. Um, now, uh, a couple of other things to talk about. Um, the Hotman Cup. So um, over the last two weeks, yeah, the Hotman Cup um, just got announced for 2019, which will be its a final ever edition. And I think kind of looking at the teams, we actually have probably one of the strongest fields they've had in years. Um, so if you're not already yeah, aware... They're really good, aren't they, for the for next year? Yeah, if you're if you're not already aware, the Hotman Cup is basically um, it's an event at the very start of the season, team tennis event that is um, organised by um, split by different countries, two players, one man, one male, one female, each. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't have any sort of weighting in terms of ranking points to it. It's a very kind of fun you know it's meant to, it's got like a fun it's like a fun start to the fun start to the season um and some of the players they have um this season so you've got um so the first of all the countries you have you've got switzerland germany usa greece 
Spain, France, Great Britain and Australia. Um, and some of the players you've got in there, very, you know, you've got some top players there. For Switzerland, you've got Roger Federer um, with uh, Benkic. Uh, Germany, you've got Alex Verev with Angelique Kerber. That's a, ve- that's a very, on paper, that's a very competitive team. Um, USA, you've got Serena Williams with France's TFO. Uh, Greece, you've got Sissipas with Sakari. Uh, Ferrer and Muguruza. Pui and Cornet for France. Uh, for GB fans, you've got Norrie and Katie Balter. Very upcoming pair there. Um, and then Australia, you've got Matthew Ebden, Ebden and Ash Barty. So, yeah, very, very um, exciting lineup. And all the when that kind of got announced on social media, everyone was quick to note that um, the draw is split into two groups and there is the potential that... Uh, so Switzerland and the USA are in the same group and that would mean a Federer versus Serena Williams mixed in doubles. mixed mixed up, um, which that would be, be very great, yeah. exciting. Mm. I can already see that. I can already see the the stories now. If that does happen, about it'll already open up a can of worms on the gender divide and males yeah. versus females, and um, yeah. But um, it looks like yeah, the Hotman Cup is go out with a bang um, in in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's a really good warm-up for AO as well. I like the Hotman Cup. Um, mm. I was in Perth, actually, when it was on this year, but I think I was only there for, like, the final. So um, it would be nice to watch more of it. But, yeah, no, there's some really good names there. It would be interesting to see how Pass does as well, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, he's dark players. All the way. Breakout players this season. Um, I think I saw the other day, he's won different eight in eight different countries. Um, just oh. a bit of, bit of random knowledge there, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, it'll be yeah. But we see how he kind of follow up. Yeah, he follows up. Uh, you know his his breakout season, I guess. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we need to discuss um, what Andy Murray's just uh, put up on uh, Twitter. So it was National yeah. Poetry Day, wasn't it? The other day. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I mean, Kim, I was not expecting National Poetry Day outbreak in the tennis community but uh but yeah well, i guess uh, <laughs> i guess one of the great poems you know every time it's wimbledon you know you have if uh the rudyard kid and rafa and everyone um so who knows a secret poets and all the players but yeah so basically wimbledon twitter mm. uh put up uh, a thing about you know all these one-handed backhands gracing wimbledon's lawns yeah uh, you know everyone go- always goes on about like for example roger very balletic and brave, you know, Richard Gasquet, Gasquet, Stan, you know, yeah. Griggle, one-handed backhand. <laughs> Andy Murray has put up. Um, he responded saying, "I'm here to stick up for double-handers." Um, you know, saying all the almost all the best backhands in the game are actually double-handers. Almost all coaches say they would teach a double-handed backhand because it's more simple, effective, and efficient technique. Art doesn't need to be complex. There is beauty and simplicity. Double handers for the win. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your opinion on that? I mean, what do you prefer to watch? What do you think is better? Um, when, I read, when I read his comment, I thought it was very interesting to read that he said all coaches would teach a double-handed backhand oh, nowadays. Almost all coaches. Yeah. So... Because, like, if I think about, you know, two... I think about Pass and I think about Shapovalov. And they they both kind of upcoming players, and they both have single handed backhands. Um, so um, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's a very interesting debate. I I mean, for me, 
I still love to see it see, like single-handed backhands do look I they are double-handed nice. backhands may be more effective but I think like in terms of aesthetics and how easy it is on the eye I think the single-handed backhand does win on that in that on that front um I mean already kind of this week there's been a few hot shots um from Shapovalov um he loves doing um mid-air um single-handed backhands and they just look absolutely fantastic in yeah. slow motion um so if, I I'm, I kind of get what kind of get what he's saying but I sometimes I almost think like yeah for me the the single and wins it for me they are very aesthetically pleasing I just feel that maybe they're less reliable um because I think if they're if you know the backhand's going to go off that a lot of players will just miss fire so it's like when they're when they're on it's absolutely amazing um but maybe there's a bit more room for error I don't know that's just kind of my but Kim I think I think we're also missing a very obvious alternative The Sharapova op of you have um, a right-handed forehand and a left-handed forehand, so you just all backhands all together. Just be like a superhuman forehander. Uh, yeah, why not? I don't know why coaches aren't teaching that option. <laughs> I mean, it would yeah. be interesting, would it not, to add up total slams won by single versus double-handed backhanders on both the men and women's circuits, and maybe even in the double. Um, I mean, I'm guessing historically single-handed players, which were, you know, they were more frequent, shall we say, than they are now. And it'd be interesting to see, mm. you know, uh, what the stats would be on that one. Yeah. And as I said, as I said before, in our, in our Labour Cup episode, um, you know, if, if, uh, rest, if, if Team Europe versus rest of the world doesn't work out, I'd happily pay money for a single-handed backhand versus double-handed backhand uh, team event. That would be pretty cool. Or, yeah, <laughs> lefties versus right-handed, I don't know. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> um, so do we have any other burning news in the tennis sphere? <laughs> um, well, I guess the, the last thing we can, we can talk about, and it's a bit of breaking news, is um, they have announced a uh, one-off match between Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in Saudi Arabia on the 23rd of December, which is, uh, well, which is a good way of, I guess, of lining, lining your pockets, I guess. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of money involved in that one somehow. <laughs> uh, Saudi Arabia, yeah. Um, interesting to see who's going to uh, attend from outside Saudi. I'm guessing it's just for yeah. like you know, maybe the royal family and their, their people. Um, I would hope that any money that Roger, uh, Roger, Rafa and Novak get <laughs> might go towards their foundations for that one. Mm. Um, as I'm sure they have more than enough from the season's earnings. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, um, would because that's, they're still doing the Abu Dhabi exhibition, which they normally do just after Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah, poss yeah, possibly, yeah. Because then that would be after... I think that's a separate, yeah, that's a separate yeah, event. Go home for Christmas and then go back out to the Middle East, but who knows. 
Um, yeah, very interesting. I think Saudi Arabia at the moment, I've noticed they are trying to get as many sporting events into Jeddah or into their country as much as possible. Mm. And the government uh, kind of really, I think they're kind of pulling the, the purse strings and, and, and bringing all these all these sorts of things in. We've had the we had an all British boxing match there um a few i think a, a week ago a few weeks ago with george Groves, and i know that there's been big uh wwe pro wrestling events there as well um you know so uh it's definitely part of a drive and and, and obviously is you know is now on their agenda whether it's a, a one-off mm. or you know they're looking to you know it's part of a kind of uh a, a, you know an annual event uh remains to be seen but um yeah, yeah very interesting there in the future i suppose yeah exactly very interesting to see um tennis go to uh, what well, high profile players go to go to these countries um so um yeah so that's uh that's um something to kind of look out for um come uh to, well come the the new season um i think that kind of just about wraps it up actually for this episode um of the passing shots um kim did you do you have any final any final thoughts uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm. Uh, I think we've we've covered a, a fair bit. I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen in Shanghai, and then you know going forwards to the World Tour finals and the WTA finals in Singapore. Mm. See who you know get that that last. Yeah. You know, roll of the dice. Yeah, and we'll be. I think we'll be back uh, with our next episode, and that will cover both Shanghai, the Shanghai Masters, and the Paris Masters. Um, in the meantime, as well, we'll be uh, releasing our passing shot second serve episode on doing the career fan slam. Um, and whilst all that's going on, I'm probably Kim going to go away and look at a map and find out actually where Tashkent <laughs> relation to Russia. Yeah. Because... You need to know where Uzbekistan is. <laughs> only a big fan of Dennis Isterman who represents Uzbekistan. Wait, so, well, hang on. Right. I've been watching, I've been watching Joanna Lumley on the, and the Silk Road oh, documentary Silk and Road. that kind of, <laughs> and that kind of goes over that <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm getting more familiar with that part of the world but yeah still don't really know where tashkent is so uh i'll go away in the meantime and, and have, a, <laughs> have a look at that um but yes uh for me from me and uh from kim um thanks for yeah. this episode of the passing shot um and you on social media our twitter on instagram or on facebook uh, and remember to um download and subscribe to us on all the available podcasting uh, platform services including uh, itunes spotify google podcasts what, whatever your whatever folks you vote will will be on there just search the passing shot um so yeah so we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks uh, thank you and goodbye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 